Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. Masters of Couch Potato Style Punches and Popcorn Hello and welcome back to the world of Punches and Popcorn Our Your Couch Potato Crew, Couch Potato Ninja Crew Is back for our second episode, guys I'm super excited So uh, let's all give a a hello to our to our family here and uh again, <laughs> again we're two episodes in highly professional here uh i'm your host mike uh thanks everybody for tuning in uh we also have with us tonight our magic man matt what's up everybody and the genius jason <laughs> okay that is an introduction thank you <laughs> <laughs> and our walking weapon the professor dr Dom DeMore. How you doing? Happy to be back. I'm surprised I'm, you invited me back. Let's just <laughs> throw that out there. <laughs> Listen, when we travel, we like to travel armed. And by the armed, we mean we need Dom with us. <laughs> yes. Because he is the weapon, right? Well said. Well said. <laughs> Guys. You know, you know, it's fine. I'm just gonna say this another thing about the weapon thing. It's funny because um, I was having a discussion with someone, and we were talking about how, uh, the utility of Brazilian jiu-jitsu on the street. And a lot of people say, "Well, Brazilian jiu-jitsu isn't gonna work on the street." It would totally work on the street, but it's gonna be messy because it's on a friggin' street, right, with pavement and stuff, and people punching you in the nuts. So you know. <laughs> But like, so someone asked me like, yo, what would you do if someone pulled out a knife and asked you for your wallet? And I'm like, bro, I'd give them my wallet. <laughs> like, <take a> knife. <laughs> like, it's just a wallet. <laughs> and I like my wallet. I got it in Madrid. It's kind of a fancy wallet, but I'm like, nah. <laughs> so I'm not that effective a weapon. So if someone asked you for your wallet, I'm going to be like, give me, give me your wallet, dude. <laughs> I, would, I would love someone to take my wallet. And then, like, take my bank card and use the bank card, and they would quickly find that the joke is on them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hit the streets a week ago, right, guys? It was a week uh, ago. We were just talking about uh, three of us uh, made our way out to Syracuse to to attend the Kung Fu, old school Kung Fu movie festival Mm -hmm. uh, hosted by... Uh, Reckless Cinema in Syracuse. That was super fun. We saw a few, well, four really good, really fun movies. Uh, uh, really good, good, <laughs> good, good, good. Some, some were really good. Some, oh man, <laughs> uh, all Jason, were great. Were they good? <laughs> Jason, remind us what were the four movies we saw again. Uh, we started with uh, No Retreat, No Surrender, which was the first viewing for me, and it was Same. amazing. <laughs> then Something maybe else. the highlight for me, Revenge of the Ninja. Oh, oh yes! Yeah. Just 
totally off my radar. I feel just nothing but guilt about that. <laughs> then third movie was uh, what Chinese Hercules with Bo yep. Young, our, oh. our patron saint of the patron podcast. saint of the podcast, Bo Young. And then fourth was uh, Dirty Ho, which was a real treat too. Oh yes, yes, yeah. There. I mean, I feel like at some point we have to cover all four of them because all four of them, as you said, were were great. <laughs> we have to right? cover all in one podcast though to recreate. Oh, that would be now. That would be special. That would be special. Uh, Dom, Jason, what were your? Give me like one thing that from the movies we saw. What was your a favorite moment? Uh, Dom, you go first. Oh, um, it was in Revenge of the Ninja when he's when uh, the protagonist is all ninjafied in his dollar store ninja outfit and he's sneaking through the high rise building. Right. And, you know, no one's detecting him. And then in a stairwell, a guy opens up. A, so he's in a stairwell. A guy opens up a door behind him, reaches over and pulls down his mask and this whole time he had spike balls in his mouth because he spits oh. them onto the guy and they get on his face and he goes, ah! and it's clearly like a cut shot. You see him go, cut. And then you see the guy's face and it's like, ah! and he's just, just like, he looks like he has jacks like yeah. embedded into his head. And I was just like, masterpiece. This is a masterpiece. <laughs> that movie we have to review. Like it ha- it is it is it is all the best things about the 80s. It is the yes. least yes. sensitive movie. It is just the least <laughs> sensitive movie. There is violence against women, children, <laughs> and the elderly. Like <laughs> it hits the canon film it's a four quadrant. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm dying for us to do a ninja film too, because Again, right. If you grew up in the 80s, like, I mean, it was ninjas, right? Ninjas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that's and, you know, I thought like Enter the Ninja is kind of the the one that people talk about or that kind of formed a lot of the tropes. But this one. Yeah, that's yeah. that's something special. Yeah. Jason, what about what about you? What was one moment you loved from those? Uh, I, I could go on and on, but I'll just focus on the introduction to one of the main villains from No Retreat, No Surrender. They're just on a street. Uh, he's, he's a young gentleman because it's like a teen movie almost. And um, he's just like the box. It's like a Sara Lee cake for, you get from like the grocer's freezer. And he's torn it open like Godzilla. And he just has this fork just like leaning up against a car in the street. And it's just the greatest introduction to, to a villain I've ever seen. Just hammering some Sara Lee kick and intimidating the neighborhood kids. And don't forget about the, the box of donuts that was on the hood next to him. That's right. He doesn't mess around. Oh, no, no, he, he doesn't play. Yeah. And that was like the cleanest his face would look the whole movie. It's true. You know, there's pizza or burgers. He had yes. it all. He was, uh, uh, yes, yes. What about you, Mike? Oh man. Well, I, part of me wants to say the like 85 hot tubs that were featured in revenge <laughs> of the ninja. Yeah. But what I love the most, uh, was just how much Gordon Liu loved his mustache and dirty hoe. Yes. Uh, I, in general, I love Gordon Liu. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I mean, he's, you know, the star of like all the best Shaw movies, including, Dirty Ho might be my new favorite. That a fantastic movie, but it's just like the way he'd stroke that mustache. Like he just loved that. Like I have this mustache on, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know what? He looked like he was having a lot of fun in that movie, and that guy's such a superstar. Like anytime he looks like he's having that much fun, that's a win for me. <laughs> so yeah, those were those were really good. That was a fun festival. It'd be awesome, uh, you know, someday if we could convince 
uh, the little to do something like that here in Rochester. Uh, someday we can dream, guys. Uh, yes. but we also got the opportunity to meet uh, the authors of These Fists Break Bricks, Grady Hendricks, uh, who's also written a ton of horror books that I know I love. Uh, Matt, I know, is a huge fan of those, too, and Jason. Um, and Chris Poggioli, uh, who's a librarian. I uh, love librarians, yay. Uh, so we got to meet them, really nice guys. The book is great. Again, it's called These Fists Break Bricks. Um, if you haven't checked, read it, check it out. It's a really cool, like, coffee table-style book that goes into the history of kung fu films. So check that out, and really hoping that uh, at some point in the future we won't be able to convince those guys to uh, bless us with their presence and uh, come on the show someday. So, again, we can keep dreaming, shooting for the stars, right, guys? Yeah, I think we can get them. I think they were, again, really they were friendly. Yeah. Charmed by us, yes. Yeah. They, <laughs> you know, well, especially when I've got you two couch potato ninjas. Nobody That's can true. resist That's that couch true. potato style. <laughs> also, I feel obligated to say it. Support your local theaters. Seriously, yes. support the small theaters. Like, I'm, I'm, I live in Buffalo, the North Park Theater. I, If I can, I will choose that. I got married there. Like, and we're talking about the little and we're talking about um, the palace. So, yeah, so just a little uh, support your local theaters. They do great work. This is where you're going to see the esoteric stuff. This is where you're going to see the good Kung Fu stuff. You know, this is where you're going to you're going to get that quality. I mean, I watched RoboCop at an 1130 showing one night randomly at my <laughs> theater. You know what? You don't get that at the big yeah. theaters. You get that at your local theaters. So please, if you if you have a choice, choose the local theaters. Absolutely. And you also get, especially when we're talking about here on the sunny shores of Rochester uh, at the Little Theater, you get some of the best popcorn in the world. And mm-hmm. as punches and popcorn, popcorn. We take that seriously. It's near and dear to our hearts. Okay, and how much friggin' popcorn did we eat that night during oh, four a lot, movies? A lot. There, boxes and boxes. Well, like, we made we made like it a field's a- worth of corn. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was not little popcorn. Oh man, it, it was good. It wasn't, but it was. Popcorn, I mean, nothing is like the little popcorn. Yeah. So, so I dropped the ball. I totally dropped the ball. So Mike was like, okay, guys, we need to come up with a plan for what we're going to do. Because Mike is a very organized guy. Myself, I'm definitely like the absent-minded professor. Don't ask so Mike's like, okay, Dom, you need to find out how we're going to, when we're going to eat and where we're going to eat. Totally dropped the ball. Totally dropped the ball. So we just drank freaking soda and, or as you guys call it, pop, and ate popcorn for four hours straight. Well, that's four it movies, was, like six so, hours, right? No, for four movies straight, not four hours, four <laughs> yeah. movies straight, eight, like, it's right. Even longer. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so, again, we earned our punches and popcorn. We are, we're serious about this. Yeah. This is, this Pretty isn't just around. a title. This is a lifestyle. <laughs> a lifestyle. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, again, that was a really fun trip. It'd be awesome to see something like that happen here in Rochester. Um, you know, we'll, we'll lean on our friends at the little uh, who again do awesome events, including uh, the Anomaly Film Festival, our uh, brothers, sisters, and the Lunch Door podcast family uh, that put on. I'll talk more about that later. Uh, but again, events like that happen there. And uh, yeah, let's get into our movie. We got a we have a whole other movie to talk about tonight, right, guys? Mm-hmm. Yes, we're ready. All right, I am super excited to talk about this movie tonight uh, because this is our first Shaw Brothers movie. Um, So the movie we're talking about tonight is King Boxer, uh, released in America as Five Fingers of Death. But again, this is a Shaw Brothers movie. And 
uh, you know, I love Shaw movies. Like to me, that's the whole concept of Kung Fu. Uh, so I just want to give kind of for our listener, our listeners that aren't as familiar with Shaw Brothers, Shaw Studios, just want to give just a really brief introduction to Shaw Studios. So let's talk about Shaw. That's that fanfare. Uh, it really, it's impossible to talk about martial arts movies without talking about Shaw Brothers. Uh, simply put, when we think about martial arts movies, when we talk about kung fu movies, often we're talking about a Shaw Brothers movie. If you heard a kung fu movie clip in a Wu-Tang record, which is how I came across a lot of these movies initially, it was probably from a Shaw Brothers movie. Uh, Shaw Brothers initially started as a film distribution company in Shanghai in 1925 expanded into Singapore and eventually resulted in creating their own studio in Hong Kong in 1984, um, Shaw Brothers Limited. Uh, led primarily by Sir Run Run Shaw, over the next 30 years, Shaw Studios have produced over a thousand films and become for many the face of kung fu films around the world. Shaw would really establish the gold standard of martial arts cinema into the 80s when they were overtaken by another legendary studio, Golden Harvest, helped produce the movie we talked about last week, Enter the Dragon, but was itself formed by or founded by disgruntled former Shaw Studios producers and executives, uh, as well as a mountain of staggering executive mismanagement at the hands of Run Run's mistress, Mona Fang. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, in fact, right, we know the director of our show tonight was uh, one of those what, disgruntled, disgruntled former. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, as far as our movie tonight, again, we're talking about King Boxer. Um, King Boxer was original Chinese title translates to number one fist in the world or number one fist under heaven, depending on who's translating it. Uh, put Shaw Studios on the map internationally. King Boxer was what director Chung Cheng Wah considered his magnum opus. Uh, Cheng Wah was originally a highly successful action film director in Korea. Uh, but he caught Run Run Shaw's attention while filming intense action scenes on the streets of Hong Kong for his Korean film, Special Agent X7. Brought over to studio or to Shaw Studios at a time when most of Shaw's kung fu films were dominated by Chinese directors, Cheng Wah wanted to establish his own genre and style of kung fu movies, showcasing what he called a mystical Chinese story. Uh, in America, Warner Brothers, who was already holding on to the film we talked about last week, Enter the Dragon, would come across King Boxer and decide that Changhua's exciting action-packed adventure would be the perfect movie to test the waters for audiences here in the U.S. Renamed Five Fingers of Death, this film would blow the doors open for kung fu movies around the world, including Enter the Dragon, which would be released less than six months after King Boxer or Five Fingers of Death. By the way, I just want to throw out there as a as a scientist, if I were to discover a badass animal that happened to have five fingers, I would name it Pentadactylus Mortem, Five Fingers of Death. Like it's such a cool <laughs> title. I love it. Seriously, Pentadactylus Mortem. Why'd you name it? Just badass kung fu movie. Why, why not? <laughs> well, of course. Of course. <laughs> so just throwing it out there. 
you know, I got to discover something. Uh, the problem is, is most of the badass dinosaurs only have three fingers, so it's like or two. <laughs> so it's like, god damn it! Yeah, also, you're now to find that. All right, right. I'm, I'm there. You, there you go. <laughs> I don't so, even I, I don't even lead any digs, so like I don't think I'm gonna be able to name anything. But eh, it might take knows. a while, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, our movie King Boxer. Let's talk about it first. Uh, what did you guys think? Uh, have you seen it before? Uh, what were kind of your first impressions of it? I mean, I guess I'll go first. So I, I, th- I definitely enjoyed it. I think getting into the more of the history of it and like what you're explaining, Shaw Studios has sort of added another level for me. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot to like in it. So I'm, I'm positive, but not like in love. Mm, interesting. Okay. Dom, how about you? So this is the, f- so as I said last time, I'm not as experienced with um, the Kung Fu or I don't know if this term is pejorative. The chop sake. Is it pejorative? I don't know if I can. Can I use that term? That's a lot of, a lot of yeah. them. <laughs> I'm getting shrugs here. So I, no offense to anyone, but those, you know, traditional Kung Fu style movies. As I said last time, I know the 80s style action movie a bit better. So this was a real treat. I had no idea these, this kind of movie was that awesome. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. I absolutely, What I love the most about this movie, it's the furthest thing from a slow burn. But like I was like, okay, they're going to put all their cards on the table and it's just going to be kind of monotonous, like ass kicking for the rest of the movie. No, man. The first act, good fighting. Second act, great fighting. Third act, blew my mind. <laughs> I was like... Wow, this I I really this was a real treat. Like my first time seeing this movie, I was like, this this is awesome. This also I totally could see the influence on more recent cinema. Um, it's just very apparent that this movie influenced decades of martial arts movies, which was a real treat. Right. So the funny thing for me, the first time I watched it was immediately when we hear that the theme for it. Uh, for anybody that's seen Kill Bill, immediately you get, oh, I know, I know where this comes from. I think we got a clip of that. There we go. Yeah, with that that klaxon call. Um, which interestingly enough came from an American show, right, Jason? Yeah, that Ironside TV show, which I guess was I think Raymond Burr, and he was like uh in a wheelchair and all that's obviously Ironside was the seventies and you'd have to be a sensitive about things. So, um, yeah. And I was mentioning before we started this podcast that, uh, Bruce Lee actually an episode of Ironside. So I'd, I'd like to get my hands on that just to see him. Cause he did a lot of episodic TV and he was trying to break through back in the seventies before he returned to China to kind of reboot his, his career. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like speaking of Bruce Lee, cause I know, uh, some of the things I read said, you know, even though this movie preceded Enter the Dragon hitting the U.S., uh, as we kind of talked about last week, Bruce Lee had been really setting the Hong Kong martial arts movie scene on fire prior to that. Uh, when he came back yeah, with, with like, movies like The Big Boss, Way of the Dragon, and that. So uh, some of the things I read said that this really King Boxer was kind of Shaw's attempt to take folk. And they're like, we're going to do something that's going to take attention away from Bruce Lee like this is kind of our response to it and it's interesting that for audiences here in the US King Boxer was the movie that came out first um, right again, there's a little irony there right right that, you know Bruce Lee was the one who sort of broke things open um, 
over there first, then Shaw got King Boxer to, you know, the American shore first. It was the first, I guess, English dub film, and that definitely helped to break it open. So that I was reading in the These Fist Break Bricks book is that, you know, a lot of people credit Bruce Lee for breaking open the American market, but it was actually, um, what's the lead in this? Um, Lolier. Lolier, yes. He was, he was sort of like the guy who did it first. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But then, like you said, six months later, we get Enter the Dragon and, <laughs> you know, King Boxer's uh, probably just a, a little wake before the big storm. Right. There are some noticeable, noticeable differences between this and Enter the Dragon. And I thought it was very interesting. Like, remember last week, we were talking about the juxtaposition of old and new and how, you know, a lot of Bruce Lee's style really kind of leaks into the movie. Well, this movie has that whole, like, it feels more tr- of a traditional yeah. kung fu movie. Although I have no idea wh- when it takes place. There's no guns, but there's light bulbs and light switches. And I'm trying to figure Telephone out. poles. Telephone poles. And so, anyway, um, what I found interesting is... So the, the, the martial arts style that they use, I'm not well-versed in Kung Fu, so I'm not going to pretend, but it's much more flowy and flashy with lots of like arm wheels and swinging it has like motions or something. Also, I noticed one thing that you get in a lot of, and, and this is not just um, old school Kung Fu movies. This happens in most fighting movies, but it is not something that Bruce Lee does. It's the tell. I call it the tell, which is where like, you know, you got one person standing on one side and the other person standing on the other side. And the guy that's going to attack right before he attacks, he does something to indicate he's going to attack. He shakes himself or he goes, ah, and then he charges, which is not smart. I guess it's great. (laughs) makes for great cinema, but it's not smart. And I noticed that Bruce Lee didn't do that. Bruce Lee wasn't like, ah, and then ran towards someone. He just Mm -hmm. look like he was a statue and then pop and they punch the guy in the face and it's just like like a viper you know so it's interesting like i watched this movie after watching enter the dragon and i'm like okay this is a bit more flashy and a bit less realistic than enter the dragon and has that more traditional kind of like okay this guy's gonna attack now here he goes and then pop 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 and then next guy's attack and then you know it's very you know, dramatic kind of overdrawn thing, which, which I like, it makes for great cinema, but it like Bruce Lee wasn't having that. He's like, no, I'm going to, no one's going to know until they're down that I hit them. And <laughs> just, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I could, I could praise Bruce Lee for the next hour. I'm not going to, but that's my way of saying, okay, Bruce Lee was like, nope, nope. I'm going to just whoop your ass and you're not even going to know it. And I'm not going to do any of that flashy stuff. So mm-hmm. interesting. Well, it's interesting, too, because the, the fight choreography in this movie is its own interesting side story with it. So you know, I mentioned before that uh, Chung Cheng Wah, the director, came over from Korea and he was kind of an outsider in Shaw. Shaw had, uh, you know, some foreign directors in their stable. Again, when you're making a thousand movies over 30 years, you've got a lot of directors. Um, but you, especially in the Kung Fu arena, um, you know, it's generally for the Chinese directors. So it was a little unusual that he got this opportunity as a Korean director, um, you know, being seen as a foreigner within the studios. Um, but because of that, he had kind of second billing on everything. Like even Lolier, who we talked about before, he was considered not a leading man when he was mm-hmm. brought in as the star. In fact, he had come from Chinese boxer. I know these fist break bricks talk about this in the book that uh, Cheng Wah like lifted almost the entire cast from Chinese boxer to make this one, but Lolier was the bad guy in that movie. 
and he made him the star here. But Shaw didn't consider at that time that he was really star material, which is interesting because then he would go on to do some amazing uh, future starring roles, including uh, the, one of my favorite characters, Pai Mei, in Executioners from Shaolin. And then uh, I forget, like differently dubbed, but basically Pai Mei 2 in Clan of the White Lotus, another yeah, fantastic movie. made movie. him a star. Right, right. Um, but so Cheng Wah got like second second billing for everything. Uh, he couldn't get there. Shaw's like number one talent fight choreographers, um, who at that time was a big name who would become a big director later, Lau Kar Lung. Uh, but he was able to get Lau Kar Lung's younger brother, Lau Kar Wing. Uh, and he kind of thought, well, if I get Lau Kar Wing, uh, Wing and Lung are pretty close with each other. So if he's here doing the action choreography, uh, you know, Lau Kar Lung will just be hanging out with him and he'll just decide to like help him out, which is kind of what happened. So even though Lark, Lau Kar Lung isn't credited as a fight choreographer in here, uh, the, the stories are that he had a significant impact on the fight scenes here. Just an interesting like side thing, too, about that family. Um, again, Lau Kar Wing is the younger brother of Lau Kar Lung, um, who's so their family. Their father was a kung fu master uh, who was trained by a student of that really the guy that like every Kung Fu or Hong Kong martial arts movie was about prior to Bruce Lee, uh, Wong Feng Hong, um, who, if you've seen drunken master, that's who Jackie Chan plays or once upon a time in China, Jet Li plays that character. Um, but he was a real person, a real hero and, uh, Lau Kar Wing and Lau Kar Lung's father trained from one of his disciples. So it's kind of interesting that, uh, there's fights here again, these, the action here has these uh, connection in their fighting style to this legendary hero that um, I think there was like hundreds of movies made about this guy again, even prior to Shaw kind of estab- reestablishing or establishing their own martial arts uh, base within Hong Kong. And they're still coming. I mean, <laughs> probably a couple of years still. Right, right. And an interesting thing about uh, Long Car Wing. Sorry about the pronunciation there. He actually ended up having a pretty decent career for himself. He did uh, like Jackie Chan's Armor of God and uh, Jet Li's Once Upon a Time in China. So he ended up having a decent career, you know, on his own, separate from, you know, his his bigger, like, you know, more seasoned brother. So it was pretty cool. Right. His brother would direct some of the some of my absolute favorite films from Shaw, including the 36 Chambers of Death. 36 Chambers. <laughs> I've got the these of death, right? Well, that's an interesting thing, too, with this movie, right? That when these movies would come over to America, they get this alluring title, except yes. 36 Chambers was not did not come over as 36 Chambers of Death. That was Master Killer, which I don't know, to me sounds really boring compared to 36 Chambers. Yeah, should have stuck I, with 36 Chambers. But that's another movie. We'll talk about that one another time. That's right. um, But that one, again, Executioner from Shaolin and a bunch of other great ones. So, um you know, but they have that connection here to this film that we talk about tonight, which is interesting because this would also be like the last film that Chung Wa would do for for Shaw, because then he would leave to go to Golden Harvest after this, thanks to the infamous Miss Fan. Uh, it's a question for you guys. When you watch this, did you watch the English dub or did you watch the Chinese version? Uh, well, oh, you go, oh go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I actually ended up watching both because initially I did the English dub and then I felt guilty. So this morning I watched the actual um, original language version. 
I watched the 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 English dub. I don't like dub. Like if I have a choice, with the exception of anime, because I mean the voice, the mouth doesn't sync up anyway. Um, I always go for the subtitles. So I was on the. I watched this on Amazon, and the only op I believe the only option they had was the dub, and I'm like, oh, all right. So, yep. <laughs> I, you know, so I also usually am with uh, any uh, foreign language film, like to hear it in uh, natural language to get kind of the natural intonation and all that of the actor. But I got it with a lot of the, especially the Shaw ones. Like I listened to the dub first because that's how I came across. I know for me, like. Mm-hmm. It was that Saturday afternoon, like Kung right, when cinema to be on TV or even yeah. again, just talk like Wu-Tang. A lot of this I came across because I'd hear it in a Wu-Tang record and be like, what movie is that? That sounds awesome. Tiger style. <laughs> Tiger style. <laughs> right, exactly. So to me, it's like part of the, the charm of them is the uh, is the dub that was done Absolutely. for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, the mystery of chess, bo- chess, chess boxing is my one of my favorite songs ever is that is that a kung fu movie because it I is watch it. oh yeah Even if we don't do it i'll totally watch it Just no because, we- like i know i dude i rap along with that song all the time for the past 20 years the mystery of chess boxing uh, yeah so i'm not gonna start because if i start <laughs> i'll wrap it on here we'll say and- but when we cover that movie uh we need dom to We'll have to have a performance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> please, <And> please no. <laughs> fun note with that movie, Dom, is that that movie is where Ghostface Killer comes from. That's the the villain in that uh, movie is the Ghostface Killer, who's a fantastic villain. Also, introducing of- the Ghostface Killer. Okay, you did it. See, you did it. Why? Don't go get it out. <laughs> and Ghostface Killer, the uh, martial arts villain has one of the other greatest martial arts movie mustaches ever. So right up there with Gordon Liu and Dirty Ho. Um, all right, as far as our film, I know we were kind of talking before about the the setting for this. Um, so I did a little research and found it sounds like uh, I don't think that Cheng Hua really wanted it like had it set as like a, like it. Right. It's not really billed as a, this is a historical piece like mm-hmm. uh, some of the movies that we are set in like certain dynastic periods. Um, the best guess that I've read is this happened in kind of Republican China. So after the, uh, dynasties had, had fallen, um, you know, during kind of that period where there was a little bit of lawlessness going on, which explains why I know one of the things that I found interesting was, uh, so in a connection to M to enter the dragon, this movie is also a tournament movie. Um, but in this one, the stakes are so high, right? Yeah. Oh, and also this also this this entire movie. Okay. I don't know if anyone's seen the most recent Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, I'm I <laughs> don't interpret yeah. this as a recommendation or not a recommendation. <laughs> Just the most recent Mortal Kombat movie, one of the biggest criticisms that I had, and also my friends who had seen it had, is that there's no actual tournament. By the way, just throwing it out there, Long Islanders say tournament. Upstaters say tournament. So if you're like listening in Wisconsin and you're wondering why I sound different, that's why. <laughs> anyway, just throwing it out there. Everyone is like tournament. What do you thought? Anyway, 
There's no tournament in the movie. Like, what kind of Mortal Kombat movie doesn't have a tournament? Um, So, but what I find (laughs) interesting about this movie, this movie's entirely dirty pool. Like, there's a gazillion fights between one school and the other, and they don't get to the actual tournament until the third act. Like, you know, like, this is like the worst sportsmanship ever. (laughs) You know, in most movies, they're like, wait for the tournament, wait for the tournament, wait for the tournament. And then like, in this one, they're like, nah, I'm going to pour, you know, I'm going to pour rice wine on your head. Fuck you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's such dirty pool. I love it, but let's just call a spade a spade. Like by the time they actually get to the tournament, I'm surprised any of them are left. (laughs) And they do everything to try to prevent, at least uh, our hero, Chi-Ho, from oh, showing yeah. up at that tournament, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I just like that we actually had, I mean, I guess in End of the Dragon, yeah, you have the tournament, but it's more like you have a couple of fights. And like, there's no, like, concept of, all right, you're fighting this person to fight this person next, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's fights here and there, and then the island gets invaded. But here, at least, we see kind of like the the brackets, going on and so we get a sense of like oh there's a tournament going on here but we wait a long time and then there's just just one of the fights i guess it might be two now that i think about it but anyways i i think like this and also enter the dragon is um just tournament blue balls movies because it's we wait (laughs) to the third act and we just get like a like a picture a snapshot of the tournament so i think blood sport will be nice next because that's a a, a oh which is just all tournament so yeah yeah they actually follow the rules in blood sport they're like no fighting outside the tournament okay all right you know (laughs) in this they're like there's one scene where the i'm gonna call them i don't remember the name so i'm gonna call them the bad school the bad school like invades the good school and tries to beat the hell out of everyone. I was like, wow, like what's the point of this tournament? Also, I'd like to throw it out there. What happens? What does the winner get? Like, do they get the quickening because control the way they make of it, China. Yeah, the control of China, like the way they make it sound. It's like, okay, you know, we can't let them win. Like win. Like why? What, what happens if they win? Like the, will the world be covered in darkness? Like what's going to happen? They get a trophy. Like, so, <laughs> like, so, it's like, what happens? So a little context there again, that's where I tried to look and find again. A lot of this is really just that Chung Wa, like he said, this ancient mystical, uh, Chinese story he said he did a lot of research into reading like old myths and legends. So some of it is there that like the old stories where might makes right. Kind of, um, but there was this, so they talk about, I believe in one point they identify that this is in, uh, Huabei, which is the generally like the entire Northern province of China, Beijing's in there and all that. So again, if we talk about kind of that Republic time in China, um, you know, the concept is that there isn't really a strong functioning government. So basically whoever's the biggest badass is going to run things. And we kind of see that, right? Like they show these, see the couple different scenes where, uh, where uh, Meng, the the head bad school guy, is walking through the town, just like shoving, you know, working cl- like poor people to the side with the oh, like. He's doing a whole side story <laughs> thing where he's just like, da-na-na, da-na-na, da-na-na. I'm gonna knock a chicken over, knock a thing over. Like yes, the bad, right? I knew the bad guys were right away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. This is West Side Story all the way through. They're like, uh, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, they knocked that poor guy over with his uh, his chicken cages, and then he confronts him, the chicken cage man, and then they shove him down again. It's like, oh, okay, this, this guy's <laughs> right, right. But I love that, like he's also talks about, uh, you know, in repeated moments that he's like, I don't care about riches and honor. I just want, I just want to win, like be the greatest fighter, and mm-hmm. you know all that. So yeah, I mean, whoever oh, wins hey, is the is the champ. And when they walk through town, getting all tough, that's when they meet our patron saint, who's the Mongolian, I believe. Mongolian. Yes. Mongolian Bolo Young. Yes. Is he Bolo in this? He's not Bolo yet, right? I don't know if he's... That's a good question. I don't know when this came out, what he was credited. I'd have to look back and see how he was credited at the end of the movie. But I didn't recognize, because it's also bald Bolo. I've never seen him bald, and he's got Mm. the eyebrows, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very, very manufactured. uh, Manicured eyebrows. Yeah. (laughs) I only identified him from the pecs. That's just that's all you need with Bolo. You can see those from space. Right. And he fights uh, really who I think is like the best character in the movie. I was going to bring this up. Yes. Oh, no. Keep going. I just was really happy that you also connected. Was it Chen Lao? Is that his? Chen Long. Long. Yes. So, yes, our guy also with some fantastic eyebrows and a half bald. Uh, yeah, that's what I would identify as like receding hairline, but potentially intentional. Um, Dom, this is for you. I, I just want it. Why? Because I have a receding hairline. Is that <laughs> no, is no, that no. what you're going with this? No, no, <laughs> is that no, what no, you're saying? Cool. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm out. I don't even. I'm out. Let me answer the question. No, no weapon. Weapon. <laughs> exactly. Weapon. Come back. What's the like? Is a headbutt an actual? Like, is that effective? Like, doesn't it hurt the person headbutting as much as the receiver? Like, I always wondered about that in a fight. Like. I feel like, I don't know. Please talk to us about headbutts. Okay. I have to be 100% honest with you. I have asked this question many a time. Okay, thank you. With my jujitsu brothers and sisters and, and, and other martial artists. And I also know a lot of Muay Thai guys and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we don't learn any headbutts. You know, it's one of those things. Like, when I was a kid, I thought, being an adult, I got to watch out for quicksand and headbutts based on movies you know (laughs) i have yet to encounter any quicksand and and like i don't know how effective it would be don't get me wrong like if you were to whack someone with the with the you know the top of your head with your your frontal bone that's pretty damn hard so you could do some damage but the thing is is your entire head moving forward right so once again you know how are you gonna do it you gotta get really close (laughs) Excuse me. And then you got to, uh, this beer is very good. Sorry. Ugh, excuse me. And then you got to <laughs> cock your head back and then you got to bring it forward. And it just seems like, it just doesn't seem like a very effective move. Now, I don't know that. I don't know that officially, but like I said, most people I, I know aren't like all about headbutts. Right. Um, one thing about the head is, is it makes for a great defensive tool. So if you're a good boxer, kickboxer, Muay Thai kickboxer, and you have good hands, the top of your head, you know, if someone punches the top of your head, they're going to hurt more than you're going to hurt typically, um, gotcha. which is why you don't want to punch someone in the top of the head. But using a headbutt as an attack, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to ask some Krav Maga guys because, like, if anyone, if any martial art uses a headbutt, it's them. They are, that martial art is, like, quick and dirty, It's and that's yeah. not a criticism. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I don't. 
I wouldn't headbutt. You know, what if you miss? You smash your nose. Like, yeah, it, it just seems very, like a high risk thing. It's like, okay. Comes, yeah. He's coming yeah, you, from off screen with that headbutt. Like he's jumping through the air yeah. and coming at you with his head and then connecting. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about like, you know, if I were to swing my head down and like get knocked to the side, like I could really do some damage to my neck. If I miss, I have all of this very sensitive stuff on my face, eyes, which we'll bring up later. Wink, yes, wink. Please, that was uh, <laughs> nose, my teeth. I like my teeth. I think my teeth are very nice. I don't want to lose any of them. Like it just, it just seems like you're asking for trouble. So I don't recommend a headbutt. But like I said, I'm going to ask around because there may be some martial art where they're like, you know, it's like the secret headbutt technique. And then these people that like, look like they're in the mosh pit, just smashing people. So yeah. I don't know. I doubt it though. Yeah. The takeaway is let me finish my question because it was a good question and not a put down about your hairline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ooh. Well, Ooh. <laughs> listen again, we, we expect you to cut. <laughs> We expect you to come along with us when we go places. Uh, you are the weapon, so we, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm don't fight the hand that protects you. <laughs> I deserve that. I, I totally deserve that. <laughs> so, one of the interesting things about the headbutt, though, um, and it's escaping me now. The the guy that did the commentary on Arrow for this was talking about how the whole reason they put that headbutt into the the fight with Bolo, the Mongolian, uh, was to show that. For Chun Long, uh, the headbutt is like his secret weapon, and that's really used so that later when uh, Chi Hao finally faces him down in the in the bar there, um, he turns that headbutt around on him, right? Exactly. And, he uses that and that's him. right, and that's when we should like that's used to emphasize like how badass Chi Hao is. Like, right? We already know this guy's super badass, but now his headbutt that took out Bolo. Like it doesn't yeah. even do any like exactly right. This guy's so good. He can he can butt the best head butter and come out the winner. Right, which it's interesting that that Chi Hao turning people's key moves against them comes on with another key move that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, I'd also like to bring up. I'm I'm sorry. What is um eyebrow guy's name again? Is it Chi Hao or, or no no Chi Hao? Chi Hao's the Chi Hao's our hero. Uh, um, cut Long. that out, please. Ten Long. Long. Ten Long. Yeah. How um, his death made me sad. We yes, didn't even right? see it. It just yeah, made me off sad. off screen. Because he had a moral I, compass. I, like, the good guys were the good guys, and the bad guys were the bad guys. But he seemed like the most human. He's like, okay, I'm going to join your fighting group because you guys seem pretty good, and right. I'm going to lie myself. And the only way I'm not going to lie myself is if you guys turn out to be really bad. And then he's like, wow, you guys are really bad. But, yeah. you know, my honor. Oh, no. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to join the good guys because, you know what? It's the right thing to do. And then the next scene, head. Yeah. Just his head. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> he's the, he's the moral compass of the movie and now right. and that he even yeah. has one yeah, yeah. Like he he had redemption like he, he sort of like stole the movie for me and then that uh oh, head delivery was just yeah, like a real that was bummer. brutal and the japanese all right let's bring this up now mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was a cultural thing or just a coincidence but the japanese people are not represented well in this movie at all like so, you have those yeah murdery. <laughs> so so Chung Wa said that, uh, let me see, I have the quote from here, but basically he said that about the Japanese, that how he was taught about the Japanese in school 
was how he represented them here. So, uh, I mean, if you think that we're talking about the 70s, so if you grew up, uh, you know, in Korea, maybe in the 50s, you could, you know, or earlier, you could imagine why they might have some uh, not positive views of the but yeah he he claims that he's like all i was doing was representing them exactly how i was taught about them yeah well that's just, his teachers is what he's <laughs> well that's Great. pretty interesting because uh like the one guy is the lead is clearly like has no scruples is just a no. terrible person and his two lackeys they look like cavemen let's just say it they look yeah. like the Geico commercial cavemen. They have big brows, scraggly hair over their face. They never say anything. They grunt a lot. Like, 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 come on. Wow. They're like cartoon characters. Absolutely. I don't even think they have dialogue, you know, and which is, which is funny because like I said, I come from a more 80s style action movie with the Japanese culture. Japanese martial arts are considered like the pinnacle Right. And in this movie, they're seen as just like animals, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you have, I mean, in this movie, right, you have all kind of the traditional enemies of China. You've got the Mongolians, you've got the Japanese, and, you know, all of them are defeated <laughs> in this. It's interesting. I saw, again, I was mentioned in the commentary, they think that uh, the head of the, the lead Japanese bad guy, uh, mercenary that comes in, Okada, that it seems like he has the most close-ups out of anybody in the entire movie. Like he's the frequently like show hit just that. I mean, he, he has a really good, like menacing face, right? Also, can we talk about how his, uh, you know, obviously I, I love the presentation of the actual, you know, the five finger, um, you know, the glowing hand, yes. but I always felt like the delivery, like, you know, it was just almost like his punch was a little stronger. Whereas, um, with with him again, the uh, the Japanese main baddie there, he would like, I would like kung fu chop the top of your head and like split open your head a little bit. <laughs> right, and I was right. Like, that kind of cooler than than the Iron Fist technique, like because they're just splitting open head. I mean, obviously it's the '70s, so it's like almost like a weird like bad gouge. But I, the implication is he's hitting the top of your forehead so hard, and it even does it to a like a like um. One of the females at the end. Yes. Like, guy, right. Yeah. The other, uh, the, the, I, I don't want to call her the side chick, but the, the secondary woman who clearly right. likes the character, <laughs> but his yes. heart belongs to his master's daughter. And, you right. know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like she, gets the, setup. she gets the chop right down the face, by the way, which yeah. totally kills my argument that, you know, the top of your head is good for defense <laughs> in this world terrible for defense in fact you don't want a headbutt because if someone knows that you'll just run into like an axe wound into your head i noticed that <laughs> like he goes chop and she goes ah, and turns right, around turns and she's got camera. this gash and i'm like that how th- wow like like did she get the you know did she get uh the hand from the villain from from uh from enter the dragon like how did that yeah, happen maybe, yeah. just, yeah. just right put that on when the camera yeah. was off and <laughs> tomahawk the head yeah it was yeah. brutal brutal you know yeah some of the moves definitely turn into like dragon ball z moves it's like they fly around and like one chop goes through a guy's head but um i guess you know, that was, was still... yeah, oh, go no go ahead no you go 
I was going to say that was kind of like the innovation of, of the fighting in this film is they used a lot of um, trampolines and stuff, which I guess they said they did use in other like pre-Shaw films. But the way it was edited here, what the director brought to the table, like he just had this like because he was known as an action director in Korea. He, he brought in like I, I don't know whether it's just more of like a muscular editing and it kind of made like a lot of that stuff sharper and kind of more visceral. So um even just like i guess a lot of the stuff what they tried to update with this movie was like get rid of the long hair and then that was like a you know bruce lee thing with big boss and stuff is they they you know all have these kind of like just you know i don't know like normal haircuts instead of these big long flowing like top knot deals that they would have in like the the more um you know costume dramas that shaw's focused on and i thought was really neat too is that this movie was made as a B movie because again the directors you know not Chinese so they gave him like a secondary crew they'd like swap his cinematographer out you know maybe they needed for other assignments Mikey might have brought that up already so but anyways the point is is, is that I think on the commentary I looked that up Mike it's I think it's David Desser the, thank you the yes, commentary, yes. And he was saying that um, like there's proof that it was a B movie because when Shaw took out ads um, the A movies will get two page ads and this only got one page, meaning it was a, a B movie. And then it ended up being such a success that Shaw then took out um, run run Shaw then took out the two page ad for this movie saying like, it's, you know, it's the biggest hit. I guess it made $10 million in you know, less than a year and it was only cost 29,000 to make. So um, I just like the little movie that could kind of was really impressive that way. Yeah. I read, I read that when I, and I think this was from, these fist break bricks they said that like when it came out in america i think it went to europe first did really good there opened in new york i think march 73 and it just like the moment it hit the screen in new york it was huge and then it was like every market in america was like we got to get this movie we have to get this movie they were saying when they got it in boston they opened it on a sunday because they were like we don't just the first possible day that we can start showing this movie we are going to show this movie Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of heart was put into this movie too. Like, there's a lot of characters; they all have yes. a lot of backstory. The fight choreography is gorgeous, and a couple other things to think about, like with the fights. Like, how many times did they punch someone and they went into a wall and the wall crumbled behind them? Oh, right, they hit the floor, right. and the floor broke. The scene where they fight in the dark is a masterpiece i was just like this is amazing you know it's funny i was watching the movie with my wife she watched the first two acts and the third act um she had to take care of something and she's like i think i get the point it's very good but but, but, then she leaves and then uh, then she's in the other room and she just hears me go whoa oh my god wow oh you're missing so you gotta see this and i pause it and like i'm like come back and then (laughs) because it's just there was just so much heart and so much love put into this movie. You know, all the creative ways of fighting, the styles, like the, 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 the characters and their development, like it's not, it's not, you know, the, the plot and the characters are not a backdrop for kick-ass fighting. Mm -hmm. It's a whole picture. It's a real production. Yeah. And the character, like, you know, we talked about uh, Chen Long as like the really dynamic bad guy that we end up liking with. And I, I, almost anybody who sees this movie ends up being like your favorite character. Um, but you have other really dynamic characters, like kind of the the foil here, the guy that causes a lot of this bad stuff. Uh, Hun Long, who is yes. the guy, he was like the star at this at this uh, school that Chi Hao comes to. Like, you know, I mean, he was there. He was the guy. 
And yeah. then Chi Hao comes and Chi Hao gets the iron fist technique. And then right. Chi Hao uh, gets, you know, at least in his eyes, his eyes, uh, gets, his, <laughs> gets his girl. Yeah, like everything this guy does, he. Yeah. Right. Takes his sensei, takes his girl, takes his prestige, takes his, you know, at the end, takes his spot in the tournament. Like mm-hmm. every, this guy, you know, so it's kind of fun then at the end that, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. He's the Frank Grimes of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. So is uh, that redemption though? Cause he sort of like, is he like, I wonder this, like, is he trying to like be the good guy or is he just trying to get revenge on the guy that, you know, took his eyes? That's what I couldn't figure I f- out. I feel he's I just know. like being a person, like he's flawed. You know, he goes, he's at the school. All of a sudden, this this guy comes in and becomes the the favorite student. Learns the ancient technique, and he's like, "What the hell?" You know, I've been right, putting my time. Off. I'd be pissed too. I don't blame yeah. him. I mean, to go all to go become a traitor is a little extreme. But then, you know, he pays <laughs> the price. <laughs> Side yeah. note: I love, love, love as the English major in me the uh, library board trustee in me that she how learns the iron fist from a book. (laughs) Like, take a look. It's in a book, even iron fist. You just, you know, you don't need like, I mean, yes, you need to plunge your head, your hands into uh, hot coals, but you're going to learn all this from a book. So as long as you have the book, (laughs) anything is possible. So I love (laughs) it. Thank you. The new host of reading rainbow. Michael. here. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah well oh by the way the um the secret technique not a secret like they find like when when the master is in the bed and he's like i'm gonna teach you the secret technique isn't the other guy hears right, him right. talk about it like he's watching everyone finds out like 10 minutes later right, that he learned right. the secret technique they're like okay you know <laughs> right <laughs> not, the a, other, not a great right, secret not a great right, secret. the other school they're like oh he knows the iron fist they're yeah like, oh it's okay like, I, well, so what i figured is like when he's gonna learn the iron fist i'm like okay he's gonna learn the iron fist we're gonna forget about it for a little bit they can do the tournament and at the end and then he's gonna whip out the iron fist it's gonna look freaking awesome he's gonna stagger everyone and they're gonna be like you're the superior man no no they were like nope just part of the part of this whirlwind of a violent plot this is mm-hmm. great yeah. i mean and i love how his hands glow i love his hands glow that's yeah the best part yeah it's amazing and it's totally like which we by the way we have to do um uh, what's it called? Bruce Leroy, the, the last dragon, last, yeah, last dragon. dragon yeah, we, we have got to do, to that do it soon. Yeah. We got oh, to yeah. do that because the glow clearly, clearly was influenced. Hold right from this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just like we talked about Kill Bill, you know, lifting this the the siren sound, the kind of the the siren call of the mm-hmm. Iron Fist, uh, which again was lifted from an American show, mm-hmm. but Kill Bill lifted that. Uh, clearly, Last Dragon uh, used that. Uh, uh, probably is an homage to uh, that technique, right? Um, yeah, I, and like, you know, Shaw's also lifting from the past too. like the, oh yeah. I was reading that, you know, the Warner Brothers, like little shield there, their insignia, that's, you know, Shaw Brothers, they stole right. their little, it's kind of the same exact thing, just, you know, <laughs> SB instead of W. Um, <laughs> right, right. And also I was, re- you know, I, again, I think I just pulled this from the commentary, so it's not cool Jason knowledge, but, you know, there's even like elements from like the classic Western Shane in this about, you yes. know, when the hero goes to the bar and he kind of takes the the humility route and leaves without fighting, uh, eventually returns to kind of make up for that. So, you know, there's a lot of lifting and then, you know, 
and we're lifting almost kind of like you're saying how we're trying to Wu-Tang and sampling like people are always pulling from their favorite stuff and kind of twisting it and making it new in their own art so well right. i believe mike mentioned this but uh i'm gonna bring it up as well um the karate kid the whole wax on wax off you know where you learn how to become a martial artist by doing these you know menial tasks like yeah. that happens in the movie nice. too you know the lead shows up and they're like all right move water chop wood and do a bunch of stuff and they're like okay after weeks and weeks of doing that they're like you're good now you can train with us and it's clearly that like was- amped up though right because he's carrying the water but then he like they throw a spear <laughs> yeah, yeah i love that but he's yeah, just like he's never throwing spears at <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> it's true it's dialed up a little but i love that it's what would make this movie special right by the way there's one scene where they throw a spear and it's clearly on a string oh. and it's absolutely hysterical i'm not sure which part <laughs> They throw a spear and you just see the spear like come towards the camera. Clearly it's on like a rope. It looks great. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love there's a lot of catching spears, arrows. And of course, the dramatic moment at the end where he catches the katana, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then he like breaks it. That's such a good. Yeah. Cool oh, yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Catches it and then boom, Next just chops it. it. I feel yeah. like there's 20 animes that have ripped that off. Like, seriously, oh, it's yeah. one of the. You know, it's great. Well, that's oh, man. one of the things I love about it, you know, that you guys were kind of talking about is that like, you know, it starts uh, a lot of, you know, we recognize as like traditional martial arts movie stuff. Uh, you know, some of that is, was actually created by this movie, but the whole idea of the training, the fights in the bar and all that, like all this stuff kind of happens. And it's like, uh, like you said, you're like, yeah, I kind of get the point of this. All right. They're, you know, they're fighting. These two schools don't like each other. The baddest guy in town is going to win and be the hero and all that. And even with like the manual, you're like, okay, now we learned this sacred technique. It's like, you know, for again, us that were first introduced to martial arts movies by like karate kid, you're like, okay, this is like the crane kick, whatever. Um, But then it's like, when we get to the halfway point, which is interesting that it's after the first time that he kind of activates the iron fist. Um, it just, like everything just goes bonkers from there. Like we get the hand yeah. smashed in. We get, uh, again, spoiler alert for later topics, eyeballs ripped out, heads rolling. Like people are getting cut, chopped, like old men are getting killed. Women get killed. It's like oh, everything just goes like the third act yeah. after the, from the tournament to the end of the movie. It's just I'm going to say it balls to the friggin' wall, man. They yeah. just go nuts. And I was like, wow, because sometimes fight movies, sometimes fights and movies can get monotonous. You're like, okay, I get the point. I get the point. No, I was just like, wow, they ramped it up. They did it again. They did it again. They did, oh, like, oh man, that fight in the, in the, in the, in the, the Sifu or the, the, the guy that runs the bad guys, uh, you know, the guy runs the bad guy who runs the bad guy academy in his house. That entire sequence was insane. It was always oh, yeah. wonderful. I, I could yeah, watch right. that over and over and over. Well, and it's the amazing. Best choreographed fight that all that is after the the tournament ends. Like we get that moment yeah. that like hero being lifted up. That like in most movies, <laughs> hilariously, like we think we saw at the end of No Retreat, No Surrender, you get the like hero being <laughs> lifted up and the movie ends. But like in this movie, that happens. And then we see what I have to imagine is like Bill Belichick's greatest dream that like 
the, you know, the coaches meet afterwards, like, you know, like after the Super Bowl shaking hands. But right, the bad guy stabs the other guy in the gut. Like, <sighs> oh how many God. times do you think Belichick is like, oh, I just wanted to do that to <laughs> Peterson yeah. or. <laughs> yeah. oh it's such a it's so great and i'm like oh what are they gonna do now and they did it they that last scene in the movie i was like the the you know the revenge though there was a couple parts in the movie where there's the whole revenge on killing the master so the student yes. has his master kill. this happens twice, twice with exactly. our yes right well in portrait how sensei dies too right well and that's the thing he like they let him, you know, he comes down and we get that really cool scene where they kind of part the crowd and yeah. he sees his master like collapse there, you know, and is basically dead. And then it's like soon as he's like dealing with this, then his his true love Ying Ying comes and tells him right away, like, oh, your other master died. So he's yeah. like within five seconds found out, like both basically I just lost two dads. Yeah. <laughs> like, <It's> like double. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he whoops ass. It's so cool. I love that. It's Does anyone give direction to the you know the Japanese like trio there to go and kill his original Sifu, or is that just sort of like they just sort of like ah we don't like this guy. We're gonna go. We're gonna go ruin um his hometown. Like I feel like they didn't. They weren't given any like you know because usually it would be like you know, the main bad guy ordering them to do something. I felt like that was just an extracurricular for them. Wasn't well, they the had son there with them. Yeah. They had the yeah. son with them. Oh, that's there. right. Cause he yeah. jumps up on the thing. Like it just very, um, like reverse film Tiger, the way he, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Was that reversed? Right. Okay. Do we know yes. what I'm talking about? Where like, yep. Yep. It looks reversed. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, he's there. Like, he's like eating an apple while they're yeah, murdering yeah, yeah, yeah. an old right, man right. in front of his yeah. daughter. And he's like, Oh, it's another day. Right. Caressing his balls. <laughs> Which size more to say that guys. <laughs> so those balls are called Baoding balls, and that's actually where the like tournament is set in Baoding. Like it's a real uh city. I think it's actually like a city of like 10 million people now, even though this makes it seem like it's like two two kung fu schools and then a lot of people to push around. Um, it's actually like a massive city, but uh, these balls are like some of the things that the that this uh, city is famous or that region is famous for. So, and so kind of interesting just, that yeah, just practice to eventually do that with eyeballs, which he does very shortly. <laughs> yes. So I kind of feel like the time has come. We need to talk about eyeballs. This is some of the most uh, notable things here. Eyes roll, and I mean literally roll in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that this is an opportunity to use our esteemed doctor's advanced academic scientific knowledge. Science. Yay. Oh, Thomas Dolby, you always come through <laughs> for me. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess my last science segment was the snake venom stuff. So this one will be on. Can you remove someone's eyeballs like that? And uh, let's talk about some eyeball anatomy. Cause I was thinking about this. So I was, Cause okay, let's, let's talk about the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie, I haven't seen the movie in a while. Basically they go all like Mo Howard style and they just go, they, you know, they take the two fingers and go Doink! and like the eyeballs come out. And I like that. They like go directly into his hands. Cause then he just like <laughs> rolls them on the ground. Yeah, it's yeah. like very Doink! clean that he gets yeah. those eyes. 
So if you look at a human eye socket, which the proper term is called an orbit, it's a lot deeper than the actual eyeball. So the eyeball is, for the most part, a sphere, although the cornea pops out a little bit. But behind the eye, uh, you have a lot of fat. So if you were trying to remove so like it's not too hard to remove an eye, but you have to get behind it. So the eye actually, it's interesting. It has six muscles. Each eye has six muscles that move it and three nerves that control those muscles. Right. Um, so like, you know, you have the, you have what are called the rectus muscles, which are the straight muscles. Rectus means straight. And if you've heard the term rectum, that's the straight part of your intestine. Um, no one's laughing at that. No one's going to laugh at rectum. Rectum, oh, kill them, nothing. Rectum, right, no, damn near. <laughs> damn near, kill them. <laughs> so those are the rectus muscles. They pull the eyes up, down, left, right. Okay. And then you have the two oblique muscles, right, that stop the eyes from, like, spinning too much and keep them kind of stationary, right? So the eye is pretty loose in there with those muscles pretty much holding it in. And then you have the nerves that go to the muscle. And then of course you have the nerve that goes to the, to the actual eyeball, which is the optic nerve, right? And then behind that, all that stuff is a lot of fat. So if you just jab someone in the eye, all that fat cushions a lot of it, okay? So if you poke someone in the eye, the eye is going to sink in and the fat's going to kind of like ease that. Don't get me wrong. If you push hard enough, you apply enough force, you could you know, smash through the eye, but that's a lot of force, okay? If you wanted to actually pull someone's eye out, you'd have to kind of gouge it, which is, you know, when people, you ever see those movies where they push their thumbs into their eyes or dig their fingers into their eyes, and then they would pluck it out. So if they wanted to use this technique, it would be more of kind of like a scooping dig <laughs> than more of a poke and pull kind of thing. Now, don't don't get me wrong. The eyeball coming out is pretty easy. I'm sure you've heard of like um, athletes where like they're playing a sport and they bonk their head or they some sort of trauma causes the eyeball to pop out and they like push it back in a little bit. So it's not too hard to get up, but typically the force can't be coming from the front. So if you want to gouge someone's eyes out, you can't be like nuck, 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 and do like the three stooges thing and just prod them in the eyeball. Um, <laughs> you can try if you want. <laughs> so, and also those eyeballs come out clean. They're just balls. Like you got to yeah. think we have six muscles on, we got all these nerves on, we got all this fat behind them <laughs> and, and, and to break an eyeball is even harder. So I'm going to, jump to another movie you know and kill bill spoiler alert if you haven't seen kill bill cover your ears for the next minute she <laughs> plucks the eyeball out of the enemy and it's like ah! right and then she puts yeah. it on the floor and steps on it, it goes Pah! that's not what happens so an eyeball is actually <laughs> really sturdy no eyeballs are super sturdy it's incredible eyeballs are really sturdy structures um the white of the eye is called the sclera and sclera means hard because it's a hard part of the eye um when my students, I, have, I, I teach some anatomy labs every now and then, and my students dissect like cow eyes or sheep eyes. And it's always funny because they take the scalpel and they're like, try to cut it and nothing happens. And they're like, and they try to cut another happens and they're like, wow. I can't cut through this. I'm like, you got to put some, <laughs> got to put some energy into it because, and you know, what's funny is some of them, you know, they're still cautious and they eventually cut through the other ones and just go stab with the scalpel and <laughs> stuff sprays everywhere. Oh, like, I didn't man. say that. Okay. Extra. But anyway, the eyes are tough. Eyes are tough. They're made dense, dense, irregular connective tissue. The sclera is really hard. So 
yeah, I mean, it's going to be really hard to fully damage an eye. And to get it out, you kind of got to dig behind and pull out. So there's a little eyeball anatomy for you in case you're interested. Um, yeah. not, not that we endorse. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I had my disclaimer. Do not handle a venomous snake. Here's my <laughs> disclaimer. If you don't like someone, don't gouge their eyes out. <laughs> also, yeah. the other thing I've learned from this is that apparently eyeballs are not the sumptuous treat that... Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom would make us believe they are. Oh, that movie. The things they eat in that movie upsets me. When they, I'm sorry. As a herpetologist, when they're like, it's snake surprise. And yes. they're like, what's the surprise? They cut it open and there's a bunch of baby snakes and they're just yeah. eating them. I'm like, this is the most, and I'm going to say it. You can edit it out. This is the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. Like, it really is. And I've been to the dark bowels of the internet on bad days. And still, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom I'm just like, oh, oh, uh, why? You know, did you even cook the snake first? Did you shove the babies back in? I'm, I'm just proud that we were able to bring snakes into a movie without snakes. Chilled monkey brains. It's like in the head. Like, come on. (laughs) Well, yes, Noah, Noah gross eats in, in our movie. I cannot wait until um, our next movie discussion to see what interesting science what facts up next in Bloodsport. that we see. You you come to <sighs> us for Kung people? Fu. You get yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, Jason, I'm thinking I was watching a movie the other night because not because of our podcast, because Bloodsports, I just got HBO Max and I'm like, or HBO, whatever the, the streaming service is. And I'm like, Bloodsport's on this. I'm going to watch Bloodsport. Why? <laughs> because it's freaking Bloodsport. Anyways. <laughs> So I'm trying to figure out what the next science thing segment is. Uh, I'm thinking it's scientifically speaking. How is Chong Lee so awesome? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but um, that might take a lot of research. Well, before we get to that one, um, <laughs> uh, we've kind of covered a lot with King Boxer. Is there anything uh, kind of last uh, thoughts or impressions or something cool that uh, we didn't hit on yet with this movie? Either of you wanted to uh, chime in with? Yeah, I have a quick one. So uh, are we thinking that like Stan Lee was just a huge Kung Fu fan in the 70s? Because like this has to be a Iron Fist. Um, you know, he must have saw this and been like, oh, a fist that glows. Like I, I got yes. it. Because like you were saying with Wolverine, um, I think you mentioned that on Twitter. <laughs> it's just like, I think Stan Lee was All right, a huh? huge Kung Fu fan. And he got a lot of his ideas from these films. Well, Shang-Chi is one kung fu i think shang chi might be more bruce lee um but uh yeah the the iron fist definitely i could i could see that influence um yeah so yeah i I would think but but also marvel comics marvel comics was not shy actually marvel and dc were not shy about being derivative when something became popular they're like we're gonna do it let's jump on that yeah like for example the black panther came became big during also I'm going to say it, Brother Voodoo and, um, you know, Blade became big around the exploitation time. Mm-hmm. You got Iron Fist and you got, you know, Shang-Chi around the Kung Fu era. Like they really, they did not, they, they were, you know. They loved the trend. <laughs> yes, right, right. they loved, they, was, they were not subtle about it at all. Right, right. No, I'm sure I didn't, I can't remember offhand when Iron Fist was introduced, but I know uh shang chi which was you know originally dubbed master of kung fu was uh well i think less than a year after enter the dragon came out and 
you know, it's pretty expensive. Like you said, it's I, they basically took the idea of Bruce Lee from Enter mm. the Dragon and you know, that was Shang-Chi along with other movies like that. Like those were clearly influential here. Mm. Um, and right. I mean, Iron Fist with the glowing hands is obviously uh, influenced that comic too, that unfortunately made a not great Netflix show. Oh, I never watched that one. I heard it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, although Daredevil I kicked ass, that was so good. Daredevil, so is Daredevil martial arts? Can it be because he's so cool the way he fights in that? In, I mean, it's got ninjas, so yeah, to be uh, yeah. this is like an ever evolving topic for us of what is a martial arts movie, and I feel like one of those a barometer for that is are there ninjas? Because <laughs> if there are ninjas, yeah. if there be a ninja, a martial arts movie, there be. <laughs> oh wait, wait 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 here's the thing so what if there are ninjas in a movie in the movie and i bring that up because in Wee herman's big adventure he watches a movie and in that movie there are ninjas is Wee herman's big adventure a martial arts yeah movie? I hope that people are still listening to us long enough that we get to a point where we have got to pull in Wee's big adventure <laughs> and it is martial arts <laughs> Uh, kind of last question here for you guys speaking of uh, when we're talking about what's martial arts movie tonight is uh, the first night of Wrestlemania would you consider Wrestlemania a martial arts movie (laughs) I mean it's scripted fighting right it is scripted well I mean I was I was actually we were talking to the audience we were actually talking about this before about how you know you know they say you know wrestling is it fake it's like well, what does that mean you know, because clearly these people, you know, the the do we call them performers? Because if you want to call wrestle, you know, if you want to call WWE and AEW and those guys performers, they're very, you know, athletically inclined, physically fit, very skilled performers. But is it a performance? Because it's scripted, and then it gets it gets kind of complicated. So, I mean, would you consider? I would not consider that stuff martial arts because the moves are not made to be effective. The moves are made to be interesting to look at, mm-hmm. but then you watch a martial arts movie and you're like, well, they alter the moves to make them more interesting to look at. So in a way is professional wrestling, the Americana version of the Kung Fu movie. Mm. And in a way it makes sense. Mm. In a way it makes sense. <laughs> I, I mean, you got I these like complicated stories. You have these, <laughs> and, and a lot of the, a lot of the professional wrestlers do actually know how to fight. I mean, uh, Kurt Angle, Ken Shamrock, I don't, you know, those guys are legit, legit athletes, you know, and I haven't watched wrestling in years. Cause I can only come up with the ones that were around 20 years ago. But so it's one of those <laughs> things. It's like, you know, is it a, is it mm. you know, is it a kung fu movie um you know is it like a kung fu movie it kind of is and, and that's not to take away from it not in any way it's you know because it's scripted in that way so i well, think it's an interesting question if you ever want to know if any of the professional wrestlers uh you know can fight outside of the scripted thing just google uh you know anytime like a fan or someone enters the ring uh, just the relish on their faces. They literally beat the shit out of whoever comes yeah. in. Uh, yeah. yeah but it's like, also like the techniques that they learn to perform 
you know, how well would those tech, they don't train to do them against the resisting opponent. A lot of them have trained in those techniques beforehand, so they know how to, but, uh, you know, so it's, so it's just an interesting question. I mean, in a way, like, I still think that in a way, uh, professional wrestling is the Americana version of, uh, you know, Kung Fu movies. Hmm. Which, which I like, you it. know, a I like, great I thing because like they're both good. Yeah. So yeah. maybe next year we have an episode on WrestleMania. Is what I'm hearing. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, know, a lot of the so wrestling, I, mo- a lot of wrestling moves. Just, just to be, be quick. A lot of wrestling moves, you know, are, are are clearly like, come on, that can never work in real life. But a lot of the wrestling moves are actually based on real wrestling moves, real martial arts moves. So you know, who knows? Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, so any final thoughts, guys? For king boxer before we uh close this down for episode two um i'll just quickly say um just any movie that sort of like i don't know opens people up to a new genre because it sounds like this definitely did for you know even not just america but even i guess it was big in in london and stuff like that so just that it kind of opened this door to this fandom or you know created a fandom outside of china is is pretty great so that alone makes me a, a fan of this movie My thoughts, I thought it was, I thought it was a, a really well put together movie. I mean, it was a, you know, martial arts movie. So, but the martial arts aspect was gorgeous. Yeah. Everything looked great. It had, it had just enough realism, but also just enough like non-realism. Like you're saying with the trampolines and clearly a lot of stuff was exaggerated just to put it right in that spot. The movie was made with so much love. It really was like you could tell like the the actors the director they're like this is not just a movie they're like we're gonna make an awesome movie yeah. maybe even to prove something that might even be something maybe they were trying to prove something i don't know but i just you know i love watching a movie where you can tell that everyone put 110 percent into it and this is that kind of movie and i respect mm-hmm. that in any genre but especially the martial arts genre right yeah, I mean, you said it, and I love that. That's one of the things that I love about this movie that, you know, for uh, Chung Cheng Wah coming over, you know, from for Korea, trying to establish himself. This movie is really like his mic drop on Shaw Studios that he's like, you don't want non-Chinese directors to handle these movies that are your bread and butter. Um, you know, but I'm going to come in and I'm going to make this movie. And it's just this wild, beautiful exciting movie and then he would leave and go over to golden harvest who would make a bunch of other uh, fantastic movies that you know we'll definitely cover a ton of those also so it's kind of like yep i told you i was going to do this and now you can have your mistress running things while i go and make <laughs> help make this company way more successful than yours um all right so uh, awesome discussion guys i am very excited for our next episode to come we've already kind of uh, well, we've definitely have talked about it before, but uh, in case you didn't catch on the hints, uh, we are going to complete. We've kind of we have a trend going right now, and we are going to complete this in a triumvirate. So we've talked about tournament movies and Bolo Young movies, and we are going to come to uh, what is really my favorite tournament in a movie, the Kumite and Bolo Young just going ham. In the great Jean Claude Van Damme classic Blood Sport, so Chong Li, Chong Li, Chong Li, Chong Li. So yeah, this is a one I know for a lot of 
kids like me that grew up in the 80s, 90s, that was one of the outside of Karate Kid. That was one of the first like badass martial arts movies, uh, especially of that era. Um, so I'm excited to talk about Jean-Claude Van Damme, because, again, a lot of us that grew up in that era, he was kind of the face of, uh, you know, martial arts movies at that time. So it'll be uh, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. So coming up, uh, we'll have Bloodsport next. We're super excited about that. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to some of our uh, friends on our Lunch Door podcast network who have some great shows out. Uh, I mentioned Anomaly before. Anomaly has uh, just released a new episode on Queen of the Damned. I hear there's a lot of snake talk in that Dombo. So I think you really want to listen to that because uh, uh, from what I hear, the snake talk, the maybe snake dancing, I thought I might have heard somewhere or talk <laughs> of it. Uh, so, yeah. So listen to Anomaly's um, show on Queen of the Damned. And our friends at the Beer Review Journal just dropped an episode on Friday also um, that includes our own magic man, Matt, here. Uh, which, Matt, I saw you sampled uh, Pliny the Elder. We did. Oh, that's one of my favorites. I've only had it once at uh, Monks in Philly. Me too. I got lucky and we made a friend out in L.A. and she sent it out to us. So it, it was. Uh, nice. It lives up to the hype. Nice. <laughs> Not to spoil so, yeah. the episode. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, listen to that. Listen to Anomaly. Listen to Beer Review Journal. Um, and all our friends on the Lunch Door podcast. Network. Also, if you're really loving our illustrious professor here, uh, Dr. Dom, uh, you made an appearance on another podcast recently, correct? Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine from when I was in grad school, um, he does How Did We Miss This? That's the podcast. And um, both him, Joe, and his co-host, Darwin, invited me on to do uh, to comment on Jurassic Park. Because one of them had not seen Jurassic Park until recently. How does that happen? Just, yeah, I was flabbergasted. Like, <laughs> yeah. how did you not see that? But I, I do know one or two things about dinosaurs, so it was fun to talk about that. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested, if it's not up already, it's a Jurassic Park version of How Did We Miss This? How Did We Miss This? Check that out, too. I'm excited to hear it. Um, so, yeah, listen to those. Listen to all our uh, fellow Lunch Door podcast network shows uh lots of great stuff happening there um if you want to reach out to us you can find us on social media we're on twitter at punches and popcorn that's punches N with an n like guns and roses because we're like the we're like the guns and roses of martial arts podcasting right is that fair to say <laughs> uh so yes we're on twitter at punches and popcorn um same handle at instagram uh, at punches and popcorn. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us, you can email us. Uh, also, spoiler, punches and popcorn at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We actually got our first uh, listener email this week from uh, one of our listeners. Matt uh, gave us a uh, really awesome feedback. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. However, uh, you kind of interact with us through Twitter, Instagram, or an email. We'd love to hear what you think about this. Again, we're seasoned professionals now with two episodes in. Uh, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. And also, uh, you know, what other movies? What should we cover next? We said we're doing uh, Bloodsport next, but, you know, what else should be in our hopper? So, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us. And uh, otherwise, until next time, keep it couch potato style. This has been a presentation of the Lunchmore Podcast Network.